My name is Caitlin, um, Caitlin Kowalkowski. I am a volunteer here in the 930 during the ground floor service, um, so you might recognize me. Um, I am 17 years old. That makes me a senior this year, which is really exciting, really scary all at the same time, but fun nonetheless. Um, and I also go to Granville High School. I've gone to Granville my entire life, so that's fun as well. So what am I talking about today? I am going to talk about prayer. Prayer is something that's really powerful and really, really important in a Christian lifestyle, and people tend to forget about how important it actually is. Um, so I took it upon myself to Google what prayer is, for those of you who might not know, because that's totally fine, because that's why you're here. Um, and I actually went to dictionary.com, and this is what the definition um, they gave me, which I really enjoyed. It says, prayer is a spiritual communion with God, as in supplication, thanksgiving, adoration, or confession. Um, if you don't know what supplication means, that's totally fine, because I didn't either. So I also looked that up, and it just means to um, ask or beg of something humbly. Um, and that's kind of what people think about prayer. They look at it and they think prayer is just, you know, asking God for stuff, and that's kind of like where they stop. And they forget about everything else that prayer really is. Um, prayer is like thanking God, admiring God, because God is awesome. God gives you amazing things. So like when you see the things you ask for present in your life, like thank God for him because that's just going to build your relationship stronger. And confess to God. Yeah, he knows everything you've already done, but when you become vulnerable with God and you open up to God, like, you're just going to get closer and closer and closer with God. Trust me on that. Um, I'm going to go back to the um, supplication or the asking for things because people tend to also um, take that out of context. Um, in Luke 11, 9, it does say, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And so people think, like, oh, my gosh, I can ask for anything. Like, God's basically a genie, like, sweet, get anything I want. But if we also, you know, read a little further into our Bibles, we'll see that John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that, is, that if we ask anything according to his will, um, he hears us. So God might be like, hey, I know you really, really want to date that really hot chick. Trust me, I know she's beautiful, I made her, but... Um, <laughs> I, I know what's best for you, and if I let that um, prayer get answered, like, she's going to leave you heartbroken and depressed, and, like, just trust me on this one. I got you. I know the plans for you. Um, it's going to be good. So just make sure that if you don't see your prayers answered, like, don't get discouraged. Just keep trusting in God, because he's got your back. Um, okay, and also people tend to forget that prayer is a two-way street. Um, yes, we talk to God, and that's the easy part. You just open your mouth and start talking. We're really good at it. But people forget that God can talk to you too. You know, like, yeah, it's harder because we get so distracted in this world, but, you know, it's possible because God wants to talk to you because, like, that makes your relationship stronger. If you don't have communication and you're just the one talking in your relationship, like, people are going to get fed up with you. They're going to be like, what the heck? Like, why isn't this person responding? Like, this is awkward. <laughs> um, so there are many things that can hinder us from hearing God's voice, which is why it is kind of hard to recognize it. One of them is just simply unbelief. Um, John 8.47 says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. So if you haven't opened him up to your heart, you haven't made him a part of your life, it's going to be really hard to hear his voice because he's not going to be able to um, directly speak to you because um, you're just simply ignoring him. Um, there's also a lot of things that can hinder you, such as just a lack of time, unconfessed sin, and unforgiveness. Um, I would go into more detail, but I have a short amount of time and a lot of things to say. But if you have any questions, like, 
well, why can't I hear God's voice? Like, what am I going through? I'm sure any of the leaders, myself, um, Kendra, Dylan, Daniel, they can totally help you afterwards figure out what exactly is going on to your life that maybe you're having trouble hearing God's voice. Um, also know that God does speak to us each differently. Um, so if your friend's like, dude, like God gave me this awesome dream last night, and it was awesome, and you're like, what the heck? God's not giving me any dreams. Like, don't worry, I don't get dreams either. God speaks to us differently. He might speak to you in a vision, in a dream, give you a thought, give you a feeling. But that's also what, um, that's why we need to practice hearing God's voice. Because once you recognize how God speaks to you, you'll know like, what you'll be looking for and how to distinguish what's God and what's you. Um, okay. Why is it important to hear God's voice? Um, one, because, like I said, it keeps a really strong relationship, but also God wants to use you. We are here on this earth to be God's hands and feet, and God will give you our instruction and direction. Um, for example, have you ever been at the mall, and, like, you get this really, like, gut feeling that you should go, like, talk to this person, and you're like, what the heck, I don't even know that person, that's gonna be weird. Um, so you kind of ignore it, but you're like, it just won't go away. For all you know, like, that person literally could have just thought, like, hey, God, if you exist, like, just have someone talk to me, because I'm so alone, I'm so depressed, and I don't even believe in you. But if you exist, just have someone, anyone, come talk to me. And if you're, like, just standing there, like, no, that's weird. Like, you're just, you're stopping that person from getting to know the amazing person who God is. So just know that God wants to use you. So be aware of that. Um, know that he won't lead you down a bad road, that he's got you set. Um, another thing I want to talk about is um, Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Um, I don't think that means like you're constantly like hands clasped, eyes closed, and not talking to anyone ever again because you're constantly praying. That'd be a little um, too much, but because we also need to communicate with others. But um, it just kind of means like involve God in everything you do. Like in every decision you make, it'll be like, what does God's word say? Like, does this align with God's word? Or like this communicate, like this uh, conversation I'm having with this person, like, is this a godly conversation? Like, like just involve God, like, hey God, like what's up? Like, do my thing, like God's always with you. Just know that, just involve him in everything you do. And also can um, mean that, just have patience in praying. Like, don't give up, don't pray once, and if you don't see a result, just be like, well, that's, that's that. Like, keep praying, like, Pray until you see a result because just, like, just keep praying <laughs> because if you just stop and you're like, well, that's that, you might not ever see your prayer get answered, but if you keep praying and you keep having faith, like, you'll be amazed what God can do. Like, sometimes it takes a month, sometimes it takes a year, sometimes it takes a really, really long time. Um, and that's kind of where I'm going to go into next is I have a little bit of a testimony to share with you guys, um, a little bit of a story. Um, I kind of debated back and forth about whether or not I want to share this story, because it's kind of personal, but I was like, it's, it's really good, it's a good one. Um, so, for most of my life, um, my dad has been an alcoholic. Now, before I um, plant the stereotype in your mind, my dad was an amazing dad. My dad is an amazing dad. He went to work every day. He provided for my family, supported us. He loved us unconditionally. He supported my brother and I in everything we did, strived for us to get good grades, never laid a hand on us. But he would, he would drink when he got stressed, and then that kind of just made him a different person. He was more sarcastic and short-tempered and just kind of on edge, and it led to my parents having lots and lots of fights um, all the time. And so from the time I was like eight, when I really first established a relationship with God, I kind of started praying like almost every night that my dad would stop drinking. 
and that my parents would stay together. Because I can probably say, like, honestly, if it wasn't for me, like, begging my parents over and over and over again to stay together, they probably would have gotten a divorce. Like, I'm pretty positive of that. So I would pray and pray and pray and pray continually over and over and over again, like, every night, every week, every month, every year. So from when I was eight, we're going to flash forward into when I am 15 years old, my sophomore year of high school. It was December, and I'm still praying. My dad is still drinking. My parents are still fighting. And one night, my parents got in this fight, and my mom gave my dad one more chance. Um, she gave him a million one more chances, but I think this was really the final straw. I could feel it. I was about to give in, just throw the towel in and say, I don't even care anymore. Just get a divorce. Like, I'm sick of this. Um, but I prayed to God, and I was like, God, like, please. Like, this is, this is it. Please hear my prayer. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I got this really weird feeling to write a letter to my dad. I was like, what? Like, why would I write? Like, that's totally out of, like, I wasn't even thinking about that. And all of a sudden, this random idea popped in my mind. But I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I basically just poured out my heart into this letter. Everything I was feeling, what he was doing to my family, how broken he was leaving me, how if my parents got divorced, how hurt I would be. And I just wrote and wrote, like there was tears on the page. Like I just poured my heart out one night. And then the next morning I put it on his bathroom counter where I knew he would see it um, because he left for work after I left for school because um, I thought it would be more awkward if I gave it to him in person and just kind of walked away like didn't want to do that. So <laughs> just left it there, went to school. And then I come home, um, and my dad kind of just was like, yeah, I got your letter. Um, and I read it, and I finally understand. And from that day, about two years ago, my dad has not taken a single sip of alcohol. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know where my life would be if I hadn't written that letter. I have no idea. Would my parents be together? I don't know. Would I be moving house to house every weekend? I don't know. Would my dad be like so depressed and continue just like drinking himself more and more? Like I don't know. But if I hadn't listened to God's um, word to tell me to write that letter, I know it wouldn't have been good. So, and I prayed, and I prayed for seven years. That's a long, long time. And so while I was um, writing this testimony this past month, I asked God, I was like, God, I know you love me, and I know that, um, you know, the Bible says to keep praying. But why did it take so long? Like, why did it take seven years? And he said to me, he's like, Caitlin, my dad's, my dad's not a Christian. He doesn't believe in God, I don't think. But he said, I love my children so much that I gave them a choice here on this earth to want to know me. And your dad didn't make that choice. So since this world isn't perfect, and I don't just control people, and I'm not just like a puppet master, because if that was the case, the world would be perfect. But since that's not the case, I couldn't get to your dad's heart. I tried, trust me, I tried to speak to him, and I tried to shake him of this, but he wouldn't let me in. But you, Caitlin, you have a relationship with me. And when I knew you were strong enough, and your faith was strong enough, and you were ready to listen to me, and you could hear me clearly, I spoke to you, and I told you what to do. I used you, you were my hands and feet, to get to your dad, because you have your dad's heart. You are the number one in your dad's heart. And that really kind of shook me. I was like, wow. Like, like we, God really needs us. Like, he needs us on this earth. Like, we are how, like, we save other people. Like, God uses us to save other people. And so I encourage you, 
um, as you leave today, just to be aware of God's voice and just keep praying and don't give up. And yeah, <laughs> so that's my message. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and now to stand, I welcome Will Ritzma. Good morning. That was awesome. Um, Kaylin, I'm so glad that God is not a puppet master and the fact that he invites us to meet with him. Um, and I guess that's a good segue into what I'm going to talk about. Um, how many of you have encountered God? Like, you can sound, yeah, okay, put your hands up because this is awesome. Um, but, like, when you encounter God, um, it's something beautiful where God meets you in your mess, right? And so that's, that's kind of what I want to get at today. And if you're taking notes, um, you can just call this the cycle, and I'll explain that in a little bit. Um, but I'm really excited to share with you this morning. Um, <laughs> for the past couple of years, I have always, like, imagined myself at a pulpit speaking in front of a crowd, and that's, like, always helped me deal with, like, problems or questions in my life. And so right now, this is, like, a dream come true. So thank you for fulfilling my dream. Um, and thank you to God, um, ultimately. But uh, as I was preparing for this, I came across a story, and it kind of struck me. Uh, it takes place in the Middle East, and the woman um, in the story, like, she didn't, she didn't say her name. Um, and so I'm just going to call her Cassie, because that works. Cassie's family was messed up. Uh, her father died when she was 10 years old, and a ton of, like, unfortunate cultural things happened to her because she lived in the Middle East, and she followed another religion, and just her life was a mess. Um, she was confused. She, she had started a business when she grew up, and that business fell apart in a war, and so she lost everything. Um, she was mad at God. She was really mad, and her idea of God was that he was some angry father, and he was, like, punishing her, and he was holding her down, and one day, she finally, like, she gets so mad at God that she's willing to kill herself, and before she does, she changes her mind, and she's like, God, why are you doing this to me? You're not a fair God, and you're always angry. You hate me, and I don't care anymore. And so she's so broken, and she has this like terrible idea that God is this, this uh, being up in the skies who's like sending lightning down in her life, trying to punish her for everything, you know. And it's not, that's not true, first of all. And that week, Cassie met a man, and he led her to Christ. He started speaking about Jesus. And I mean, you gotta keep in mind, she was from a different religion. I don't know if she was like if she was Hindu, if she was Muslim, whatever. She followed some other God. This man told her about Jesus and the fact that he loved her and he wanted to meet with her. Um, and it ended up, she ended up giving her life to Jesus and she ended up uh, worshiping God and turning her whole life around. Um, and she says, like, all my life, I thought God was angry and mad. And now my heart and mind are open to the true God, the loving God. I was baptized, and now I enjoy my life, walking with my shepherd. His arms are around me because he loves me. Like, what a testimony, right? <laughs> like, that is a story about someone where God met them in their situation, their, their brokenness, their depression, their other religion, their, like, willingness to throw their life at something completely other than God and even throw their life away. And he met them in that situation and he told them that he loved them. So that's my first point, um, that the love of God meets us where we are. You don't have to be a special type of person. You don't have to do a certain type of thing. You don't have to have a special anointing on your life for God to meet you. He wants to meet you where you are and he wants to talk to you in your situation. That's the relationship part of our faith. And Personally, for me, I think that's the most amazing thing, that God would want to meet someone like me, someone so broken like me, that he'd want to come down and he'd want to give his son to die on the cross for me, right? 
Um, so with that, I have another story, um, and it's in the Bible. It's John 9, if you want to turn there, but I'll read parts of it to you, or I'll just tell you the story because it's really long. Um, but there's this man, and he was born blind, and one day, he meets Jesus on the road, and Jesus is like, well, what do you want from me? And the man's like, I want to see, clearly. And, you know, Jesus is like, okay, I can make that happen because, you know, I'm the son of God. And so Jesus heals the man. And so he, he well, it doesn't happen right away. He spits in the mud and puts it on the man's eyes. And then the man has to go to this pool, and then he'll be clean and washed, whatever. And then he comes back seeing. But one thing that's important to know is that the man hadn't seen Jesus before his eyes were opened. So he, he had been blind, Jesus healed him, he goes, or Jesus had told him to wash, he washes, and then he's healed. So he hadn't seen Jesus, and that's important. Um, and then the Pharisees were really confused by this, because they were trying to do everything in their power to stop the message of the gospel from being spread, and stop the message of Jesus and the power that he had from being spread. And so they took him, and they put him in court, and they questioned him, and all this stuff happened to the man. And through all this, like all these questions and all this hard time, the man was like, no, Jesus did this. The son of God did this for me. He healed me. The man hadn't even seen Jesus yet. And finally, Jesus hears about this after he's out of court. And Jesus walks up and he goes, do you know that the son of man did this? Um, can you throw up that first verse? I think John 9, 6, is it up there? All right, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, wait, where is this? Yeah. After saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with this live and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam, which meant sent. Um, and so the man was washed and came back. Can you throw, put up the next one too then? Um, the, Jesus had come to this man and he had asked, do you want to know the son of God? And he said, who is he? Um, the man hadn't even seen him, right? So he's like, who is he? Yeah, I want to know him. Um, the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus right there. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Um, and I mean, you could look at this as the fact that Jesus just healed a blind man, right? But that, that part right there, um, it's under a chapter called spiritual blindness, and I think that's incredible because Jesus is connecting it to everybody. He's saying that there are people who believe they can see and who think they know the world, but Jesus has come to say, no, you don't. No, you really don't, but in the best way possible. Like He's come to show you that you can open your eyes and see him, and he wants to open your eyes. Um, and that's my next point. Encountering God opens your eyes and creates a hunger. Um, and that is incredible, right? Because now you're not blind anymore. You're not doing it on your own. You're not um, walking around like blindly, like just trying to figure the world out because God has already made the world reveal itself to you. Um, and it's amazing. Like once you encounter God, your eyes are open and you must make a choice to follow God or continue in your own ways. Um, and that's kind of scary because how are you supposed to, um, like we hear that you're supposed to just give your life to Christ and that like it's a one-time thing, you give your life to Christ, you're set for eternity. Well, it's a little more than that. Um, once your eyes are opened and once you have that truth in your life, you need to continue to pursue it. I wanna go to um, Matthew 7. Do you have that verse too? Yeah, she or Caitlin already used this verse, so I'll try to, try to point something else out about it. Um, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. 
for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open. So that's the whole prayer part of the relationship and that's the whole conversation between you and God. Um, and then which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Um, so God blesses those who know that they need him. And that's amazing. And that brings me to my third point, which I was kind of getting at, but we must continue to pursue God. We must, like, it's not, it's not something that you can just like half-heartedly like, I'm just following God here, you know, I'm just doing my thing. No, you have to like walk the straight path that follows God, you know, and that's hard. Um, I was talking to Pastor Daniel as I was preparing for this and he gave me this cool analogy. And he said that following God, is kind of like brushing your teeth, right? You wake up every morning and you brush your teeth, hopefully, right? But think about, like, what if you just brush your teeth once? Like, what would happen? Like, we all know that brushing your teeth once does not mean your teeth are clean, right? Like, that's, that's a common fact, right? Okay. Um, same thing with your faith. Like, your teeth, like, when you don't brush your teeth and you don't choose to brush your teeth every morning or every night or lunch or snack, whatever, whenever you brush your teeth, whatever, um, your teeth will fall out, right? You'll get bad breath. You might lose some friends. You know, you get what happens. You're just picturing this person like, ah, just like, ah. And it's the same with your faith. If you stop pursuing God and you stop looking for God um, in every situation and you stop praying to God and you stop um, reading your Bible and you just, you stop having that community with other Christians, your faith will rot. Um, and parts of your life might start to fall apart because you don't have anyone holding them together anymore. And you're gonna lose this community. This is an awesome community that we have. We all have one thing in common and that's Jesus. And that common factor that we all have is way greater than any difference any of you could ever have. Um, and like, when you think about that, it's just incredible that God like chooses to encounter you right? He chooses to encounter you. You don't have to encounter God. I was watching um, the movie Father of Lights last night, and there's this part where this man is saying that you don't, like other religions, you have to set the table for God, and you have to seek God, and you have to do all this stuff to try to find God and whatever, and for Christianity, it's the other way around. God sets the table for you, and he seeks after you. He seeks after your heart, and he wants to encounter you, um, and just like accept that. Um, so, why I called this the cycle. You're probably wondering um, if you are taking notes. And the cycle is that once you encounter God, it creates a hunger. That hunger leads to a decision where you have to choose to follow God continually. And when you continue to follow God and you continue to um, accept his love and grace and kindness, then you encounter him again, which leads to hunger, which leads to, can you say it? Pursuit, right? right? So it's that never-ending cycle of getting closer to God in that relationship, because any relationship without, first, you have to meet the person, right? You have to want to be near the person. Like, you can't meet someone and totally hate them and be like, you know what? I think we're going to be best friends. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not how it works. If you meet someone, you have to like them, and then you have to want to want to meet again with them, and then you have to arrange for a meeting to happen, and it's this process of a relationship, Right? And that's the awesome part of our God because he wants a relationship, not a servant. And he, um, I just think that that's incredible. 
Um, so see, when we push into God, he pushes back. And if we let him, he can invade every part of your life. Yeah, that sounds a little scary. Like God in every part of my life, the God who created the universe wants to be inside every little corner of me. That's a little scary to me. I don't know about you. Um, but really it's not scary. Like it's not scary at all. Uh, I wanna share a story from my life or at least the story of my life. Um, and that it starts, you know, about 15 years ago. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> 2012 summer camp, Camp Geneva. I, um, it was called this thing called consecration night. And basically you like, the counselors dress up and you walk around the beach and you get little rocks with like prey on them and stuff like that. And it's usually pretty, pretty cool, pretty emotional. Um, but that night, 2012, um, at the summer camp, I think it was like July or something, I decided to give my life to Christ. Um, and I had, I had grown up in a Christian home. Like I had given my life to Christ when I was like four, but it didn't mean anything. And as I grew up, it hadn't been my decision and I really didn't live it out at all. Um, so when I was 12, I decided to give my life to Christ for the first time in my own personal way, you know? And for that, like, I, I didn't feel anything. Like, I, I didn't really feel different. Of course, like, I cried because everyone else was crying and whatever, but I didn't, I didn't get, like, these warm fuzzies inside, you know? I didn't, I didn't feel extremely like, wow, I'm on a mountaintop close to God. It was more like, wow, I feel really broken right now because now I'm learning what being fixed means, you know? And I'm learning what being perfect really does mean, and I'm nowhere near that. Um, and it was weird because I had never felt so fixed in the midst of brokenness. And it was incredible and amazing, but on the surface, I couldn't feel anything. And so if you've ever encountered God and you can't say that you felt anything, and if you can't say that like you were totally different afterwards, that's all right. That's what everyone has. I mean, that's what some people have. It might be different. Um, like Paul encountered God, you know, the blinding light and everything. You know the story. But um, like God isn't a feeling. Um, also in the movie of Father Lights, like it says, you don't have to wait until you feel God. You don't have to wait until you, you understand the fact that he's there. You just have to go. You have to step out in faith and then he'll meet you there, right? That's that meeting you in your circumstance. Um, and God is amazing in the fact that he'll, he'll tell you that you're broken, but at the same time, he'll tell you that you can be fixed. And it's not, like, it's not like those messages you hear about you're going to hell and you're gonna burn and you're gonna whatever. That's, cause I mean, that's, that's a dark side, but that's not God's message, right? God's message is, yeah, you're broken. And yeah, there's no way that you can get to me right now. That's why I'm coming to you. And that's why I'm meeting you where you are. And um, so if you are here today and you're feeling like I've never encountered God um, or I feel broken, and if you feel like you're lost or if you feel like you just need, you need that, like, that father in your life. Maybe, maybe your father was um, broken or maybe your father is, you have a broken relationship with your father. And so you don't know what a real relationship with a father looks like. Um, I want to give you that opportunity today to meet with him and have him meet you. Um, don't feel like you're too broken that he can't fix you. Don't feel like you're too, you're too deep that his love can't reach because his love can go anywhere and his light will shine in every darkness. Um, and yeah, don't be afraid if you don't feel warm and don't be afraid if you don't like start bawling or whatever, start prophesying right now. Um, 
but I want everyone to close your eyes. Um, and just in your heart and out loud, just repeat this prayer after me. Um, oh God, I realize that I'm broken. I want to surrender to you. I invite you into every part of my life. I ask you to move, to work, and to begin changing me from the inside out. In the name of Jesus, my Savior, amen.